Now, you see, in an age of mendacity and criminality, which is our own, just telling the truth and having integrity is revolutionary. It's subversive. It's counter-cultural. Welcome to the Counterculture Podcast. I am Brother Phineas, and this is the place. This is, this is where it happens. This is where we awake. This is where we examine the social engineering. The social engineering is happening under the system of oppression, under the system of racism and white supremacy. We, this is where we examine the programming, and this is where we actually start to counter it. This is where we actually stop conforming and start transforming our mind. Are you ready? These are the things that we're gonna start meditating on. Welcome to the Counterculture Podcast. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Counterculture Podcast. I'm Brother Phineas here with another another uh, episode. This episode we're gonna be speaking on the NFL draft, um, a little bit on Kobe Bryant. And just, you know, the narrative of how we, how we you know what I'm saying, we see that, that, that either we picking up a basketball or we picking up a microphone, how these narratives, how these are the only two ways that we see um, to be the only ways out. Like we're not, we're not focusing on um, being a doctor. We don't see that as a way out. We don't see being a lawyer as a way out. The only way we see out, we don't see being a businessman, a realtor, um, mogul or you know, none of these other careers, the stock market, we don't play none of these games, we don't do no day trading. Um, the only, the, the narratives that's written for the so-called Negro, uh, Latino, African-American, is you're either going to pick up a ball, you're going to pick up a ball, or you're going to pick up a microphone. And it don't necessarily have to be you making music, but any any form of entertainment, whether it's picking up a microphone and being a comedian or being an actor and... <clears throat> All these things are hard, man. All these things are hard. They are hard to get into. They are hard to break into. They're not easy industries to, um, to you know what I'm saying, to break into because, um, you know, you just hear horrible stories about, um, I know it was one dude on on uh, the Nick Cannon show, what's his, Wildin' Out? He said at one point him and Cat Williams, you know, Cat Williams making like 50000 an episode, and then he he said he was making about twenty seven thousand dollars an episode, which was some good money for him. He thought he was living hood rich, and um, he was making twenty seven thousand an episode. And then it dropped down once once MTV sold it to MTV Two, or they they moved it to MV, uh, M, MTV Two, because all of these stations, BET, MTV, Viacom, pretty much all the stations that that are writing checks for Negroes is owned by Viacom. And so Viacom will move it over and give it to another owner, which is still them, you know what I'm saying, which is still a branch of them, um, and gave it to MV, uh, MTV2. Anything that didn't have a, a good amount of viewers, they would transfer the show over there to boost the views of that particular channel. Um, but they end up getting new production, new new employees, new everything every season, and you know what I'm saying, brother just got started getting frustrated, and then the money went down from twenty seven thousand dollars an episode to one thousand dollars an episode, one thousand. Now you was doing twenty seven bands an episode, now you doing one thousand dollars an episode, and then, so he had them built up. He was saying he had built up, you know, built up certain bills. You know, he's built up a, a 
a means of living that that required twenty seven thousand dollars episode and um you know ran into some financial problems when you know what i'm saying things things like that happen or you know you know pay cuts or shows getting canceled so he ended up just quitting just quitting comedy all together and was just like man i can't just keep you know living these you know what i'm saying these fake dreams but you had the stories of the cat williams and the eddie murphy's and and um Richard Pryor's and you know what I'm saying your Paul Mooney's and but you don't see the backdrop of how much work it took you know even your Kevin Hart's and Dave Chappelle's man it's a lot of work it's a lot of a lot of you know shady clubs they done did for fifty dollars uh twenty dollars a night you know what I'm saying you know even Dick Gregory you know talking about his humble his humble times where he was he was in clubs you know doing it for for five dollars a night working for five dollars a night three shows um and you know 35 cent beers and you know what i'm saying but <clears throat> it takes work to get into these things even in you know what i'm saying in um in sports you could be the greatest you could be the greatest player in your city right and get you and that's really just gonna get you a little basic <laughs> a basic little scholarship to maybe some HBCU or some little uh you know uh, division 2 school you know being the best in your city that might get you a scholarship you know what I'm saying to some division 2 school now if you be the best in the state you might get a scholarship to a division 1 school it's possible or a partial scholarship to a division 1 school but you're going to have to be either like the best in your in your region, whether it's like the southeastern region, or you're going to have to be on the, you know what I'm saying, on the, you know, one of the best elite players in the, the United States. You're going to need to be going to all the camps across the world to get yourself evaluated, to see that, okay, this is the number one player in the United States. This is it. And see, the only way you can do that is, you know, you have the certain um, certain parents to that had the certain finances to invest in you to see you to these certain camps because you can't get better than your competition. Like, you know, what I'm saying you can't get better than the people that's around you. Um, I'd rather say like, you know, you got to play around people that are better than you. That's how you get better. You play around with the best. You don't keep playing, you know, scrubs. They ain't going to get you any better. You know what I'm saying? You got to play people that's better than you. You got to get yourself around some sharks so you can become a shark. And then when you become a shark, get around some whales. Get around some, you know what I'm saying, some some giant squids so you can become a giant squid. So you can come the, the, the top predator, you know, in, in, in whatever arena that you're going to. So, you know, I'm not saying all this to say that, man, it's extremely hard to break into these industries. Extremely hard extremely hard to the point where you know what i'm saying there's a there's a narrative written that a lot of these folks sell they soul and whether it's selling your soul on on paper you know what i'm saying or selling your soul to being uh you know your whole life being committed to this one activity and that's that that pretty much has to happen you have to be totally committed uh 100% to this one action. That's why a lot of brothers don't make it in the industry. They ain't totally committed. They worried about, man, you know, I still got to pay my bills up. Man, you got to go hard for it 100%. And that's why a lot of us don't don't break into these industries because you know, we don't sell our soul. 
we don't sell our soul. We don't we don't put our all into it, and that's you know it requires that. Now, if you go into the other narrative about the Illuminati and and, and you know you know sacrificing and all that, and we gonna talk about that a little more with uh when we start mentioning Kobe, but. Listen, that whole Illuminati thing, I'm just going to say this at this point, is that if if Negroes know about it, it don't exist. If Negroes know about it, it's just a game. They doing, they doing something way deeper than that. Like, it's a game. It's a game. Negroes going to be the last ones to know. So, with that, we'll get into this whole NFL draft, man. Oh, my goodness. The NFL, I hope this thing, like I just seen a drawing of this thing. I hope this thing ain't playing out like this. Um, you got the NFL draft. They are, they are when they when they call the players out to get drafted, when you get selected, like when you get bought by your owner, they're going to bring you out on this, on this boat. <laughs> the player gets to get driven to the stage on a boat on this little ferry and then walk on the stage and you know be introduced to their new owners now it's it's like is it me or this just like some auction block we just making mockery of what we did to these people like boldly yeah that's exactly what we doing i'm paying top dollar for these negroes bring them in on a boat introduce them to me make them shake my hand put on my brand like they put the hat on it's almost like like getting branded it's like branding cattle put on my brand and and smile for this camera man and let these people know that this what you've been working for your whole life is to sell it to me You've been working your whole life to sell it to me, man. You've been working your whole life to make me rich, to make me this money, to give me this influence, to sell my products. It's bigger than you running up and down that field. You here to control the masses. You here to control the other slaves. You here to you here to influence the other slaves. You can do it too. Look, you can have this this little this little you know root because it's still it's still you know it's still garbage money. I forget who that was, man. It was uh oh man, I forget the athlete, but you know he was saying that it, you know once he got his first million dollar deal, they took out like four hundred thousand. Like the taxes were like four hundred thousand. He left walking out with like six hundred thousand dollars when he thought he made it. After he thought he made it, six hundred thousand. And then after having the six hundred thousand, he still hadn't paid his agent. His agent wanted a chunk. And then you know what I'm saying? Now he's down to like three fifty, man. Not, not three fifty, but maybe like four hundred. And then you know he's trying to buy a house and. Buy his mama a house and then buy a car. And then at that point, you know what I'm saying, tapped out. Tapped out. We think that money just so good. We think, you know what I'm saying, that, that that's just going to be the that's the breakthrough. And then say if you don't you don't make it through them, them, you know what I'm saying, them first two seasons, you know what I'm saying, you don't do well, then you get chomped off, man. 
And so the first two seasons, that's why you see a lot of these athletes going hard. Like, listen, Mouse, you can trust me. You can trust me. But, yeah, NFL Draft has these folks going in on a um, on a boat. They're going in on a boat to get introduced to their masters, man. It's just slavery all over, auction block all over, you know what I'm saying, even dealing with the combine and how they examine um, certain certain athletes, how they examine the athletes to make sure, to see their worth. You know, they looking at film, they looking at their last fights, you know what I'm saying, I want to see my worth. You remember that, that scene from um, Django with Mr. Candy, who's, you like, listen, listen, when the, when the slave tried to run away, talking about he didn't want to fight no more. He said, man, I paid a certain amount of money for these slaves. I, I need a lead him fight. I need a lead him fight. Like, who going to get me my money? And a lot of them owners are the same way when these athletes sit up there and get injured. You know what I'm saying? Like, even uh, Zion Williams, he just started back. He just started playing. You know what I'm saying? He just started playing. They've been drafting him. He was the number one. He was number one coming out of the season, out of that little batch. You know what I'm saying? Prime stock, and didn't even play. Didn't even play half the season. We halfway through the season. He just he just coming out here. Who gonna give me my money, Mister Candy? Up there in the in the office in um, New Orleans, man. You say, especially New Orleans. Miss Candy up there sitting up in the office, man. Who gonna give me my money about this Zion Williams? Who gonna pay me my money back? Now, boy, you better get out there and play. You better get out there and play, boy. Auction block all over. I want to read this article real quick so we can so we can do a little comparison about the um the slave auction to the combine because a lot of times you know you can say it to people but they don't really they don't really take it in like oh man you kind of reaching a little bit man you know it ain't it ain't it ain't no slave auction like the combine in the NFL draft and the NBA draft and and uh, even even the Olympics man all that stuff is just a slave auction man look at my slaves especially the United States look at my slaves. Look at these niggers go. Look at these niggers go. Let me read this you this 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 article from uh, eyewitness history, eyewitness to history.com. They wrote an article about the slave auction 1859. And this is like a year before the um civil rights move um the civil war broke out. It says in early March 1859, an enormous sale auction took place at the race course 3 miles outside Savannah, Georgia. 436 slaves were to be put on the auction block, including men, women, children, and infants. Word of the sale had spread through the South for weeks, drawing potential buyers from North and South Carolina, Virginia, Georgia, Alabama, and Louisiana. All the Savannah hotel, available hotel rooms and any other lodging spaces were quickly appropriated by the influx of visitors. In the days running up to the auction, Daily excursions were made from the city to the race course to inspect, evaluate, and determine an appropriate, uh, appropriate bid for the human merchandise on display. The sales magnitude was the result of the breakup of an old family estate that included two plantations. The majority of the slaves had never been sold before. Most had spent their entire lives on one of the two plantations, including including in the sale. The rules of the auction stipulated that the slaves would 
would be sold as families defined as a husband and a wife and any offspring. However, there was no guarantee that this rule would be adhered to in all cases. The sale gained such renown, renown that it attracted the attention of Horace Greeley, the editor of the New York Tribune, one of America's most influential newspapers at the time. Greeley was an abolitionist and staunchly opposed to slavery. He sent the reporter to cover the auction in order to reveal to his reader the barbarity inherent in one human being's ability to own and sell another. Now, this is part of the preparation, right? The slaves remained at the race course, some of them for more than a week and all of them for four days before the sale, they were brought in thus early that buyers who desired to inspect them might enjoy that privilege. Although none of them were sold at private sale for this preliminary days, for these preliminary days, their shed was constantly visited by spec, uh, speculators. The Negroes were examined with as little consideration as if they had been brutes indeed. The buyers pulling their mouths open to see the teeth, pinching their limbs to find out how muscular they were, walking them up and down to detect signs of lameness, making them stoop and bend in different ways that they might be certain there was no concealed rupture or wound. And in addition to all this treatment, asking them scores of questions relative to the qualifications uh, relative to their qualifications and accomplishments. All these humiliations were submitted to without a murmur in some instances and good-natured cheerfulness, with good-natured cheerfulness, sorry. Where the slave liked the appearance of the prosperous buyer and fancy that he might prove a kind master. So you, in, in some instances, you had slaves that will look at certain buyers. They are examining certain buyers. Like, you know what? That looks like a good owner. And you've had agents and you have athletes doing the same thing. They sitting on the auction block. You know what? That's going to, you know, that look like a, a good potential city to live in. That looks like a, a potential. That's a good owner right there. He may cut them, them uh, uh, after game bonuses. He may give a lot of those. You know what I'm saying? He, he's a good master. He's a kind master. He might hold on to me. He may not trade me after my first two seasons. He may go ahead and cut that check. He usually hold on to his running backs. He looks like a good master. So, you know, just like um, the, the 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 owners are looking at the athletes or the, the slave owners are looking at the slaves, the, it's, it's vice versa also. The slave on, on those auction blocks, the slaves are actually looking at the owners. Like, you know what I'm saying? That look like that's going to be a good owner though. You had this one particular example. We're going to get into this. Elijah could tell. Number five in the catalog had taken a fancy to the benevolent uh, looking middle aged gentleman who was inspecting the stock and thus used his powers of persuasion to induce the benevolent man to purchase him with his wife, boy and girl, Molly, Israel and Savannah, chattels number six, seven and eight. The, the earnestness with which the poor fellow pressed his suit knowing as he did that perhaps the happiness of his whole life depended on his success was interesting and the arguments he used were most pathetic he had no appeal to the feelings of the buyer he rested no hope on his charity and kindness but only strove to show how well worth his dollars were 
the bone and blood he was entreating him to buy. This is this is his um his dialogue, and they kind of wrote it in a in a slave manner. Look at me, massa. I'm prime rice planter. Show you won't find a better man than me. No better than the whole plantation. Not a bit old yet. Do more work than ever. Do carpenter work too. Little. Better buy me, Master. I'll be a good servant. Master Molly too. My wife, sir. First rate rice hand. Most as good as me. Stand out here, Molly. And let him let the gentleman see. Molly advances with her hands crossed on her bosom and makes quick short curtsy and stands mute, looking appealingly in the benevolent man's face, but Elijah talks all the faster. Show Massa your arm, Molly. Good arm there, Massa. She do a heap of work more, more with that arm yet. Let good Massa see your teeth, Molly. See that, Massa? Teeth all regular, all good. She am young gal yet. Come out here, Israel. Walk around, let the gentleman see, and how spiff you be. Then pointing to the three-year-old girl who stood with her chubby hand over her mouth, holding her mother's dress and uncertain to, of what to make of the strange scene. So we only we only go through that. I'm not gonna read the whole article, but I just want to, I wanted people just to get a look. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Um, you know what I'm saying? With the masters uh, examining, they sit up there with the, with the clipboards and examining. Um, their stock, they looking at the stock, saying, you know what, that's a that's a gonna be a good that's gonna be a good uh player, that's gonna be a good slave, that's gonna be a good good uh rice planter. He gonna give me a lot of yards. He gonna give me a lot of touchdowns. He gonna give me a lot of influence. He's gonna fill these stadiums. These are gladiators. Same thing, man. Same thing as the as the Roman gladiators, man. You had the slave owners go up there. It was a show on um on Showtime called Gladiator. I know the first season was pretty good. Second season I couldn't get through, but um it just showed you that that backdrop, that history of them just picking those slaves out, right? And you and your only way to fight, your only way out was to beat everybody. Your only way out was to kill everybody, and that is the same narrative they are putting inside of these neighborhoods and these slums and these and these hoods and these ghettos. They put in the only way out is for you to beat everybody. Either you gonna outrun everybody, either you gonna outstreet everybody. That's it, man. And that's why we killing each other. It's, that's why it's total competition because we are inside of a slave arena. We are in the backdrop of a slave arena trying to be the number one entertainer. We gonna make we got to make Master laugh more than anybody else. We got to make sure we got to show Master that we are those influencers, that we can fill up stadiums, that we can be a prize to the – that's why we go to school. We go to school to get our paperwork to show Master. To show master our accomplishments. Look, I am a good slave. You can trust me. You can hire me. I'm good with money. I'm good with people. I'm a people person. I can check these Negroes too. You know what I'm saying? I got a business management uh, degree. I can check these Negroes and get them in place. It's hard working for a Negro boss, man. 
Negro boss go hard on you than the uh, and the same thing on the on the plantation. And that's what this, this that's why we still call it slaves. Like Israelites still call jobs. You know, I got to go to my slave. And we get better credentials, not to better ourselves, you know, to better ourselves, but we better in ourselves to sell sell us. We out here trying to sell ourselves. So we, you know what I'm saying, we, we, you know, you might have heard how the dude was speaking, how that how that brother was speaking, you know, and trying to sell his family, but we do the exact same thing. Even when we naming our child, giving our child a, a European name, so he'll have a better chance. You know what I'm saying? He'll be a good look at Molly. So he can have a better chance within this society that he does. He's not pre prejudged just based on his name. He can at least make it through, you know, what I'm saying the black and white before he even show his, you know, the paperwork before he shows his face at the job. And they just be like, well, yeah, yeah, we don't really need no Negroes in here. You know, not that they'll say that, but, you know, that'll be the that, that'll be what, you know, what I'm saying how things will work itself out. You know, what I'm saying they'll, they'll you know, they ain't going to say it to your face, but they if I <laughs> <laughs> but they say, well, well you nah, nah, nah. You just don't, you know what I'm saying? It may not be a good feel. We'll call you. We'll call you next week. You know what I'm saying? We'll call you next week. Don't worry about it. So it's still the same thing, man. We selling ourselves on the on the auction block also. Um, and 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 that's why we, we the servant class, man. We still serving class. We're still slaves. We're still doing the yes of massa. I am a good rice planter, massa. I drive. I drive the mess out of them trucks, massa. I've been driving trucks thirty years, massa. I can get you. I can get your product there, massa. Even when those who got businesses and got their own trucks, you still in. You still a slave. Even if you got your own restaurant, you're still a slave. You still got to get your stuff from from these certain um, distributors and. And your U.S. foods and, and, and you know what I'm saying, uh, Cisco. You still got to get this. Your product still has to come from Massa. You can't sell a chicken wing without Massa because you ain't got no chickens. You're not growing no chickens. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, there's a lot of chicken wings in Atlanta. There's like it, it, Atlanta is home of chicken wings. There's also There's blogs out there. That that are just about or Instagram pages that are just about finding uh chicken bones in Atlanta. Like anytime you say see a chicken bone, they just take a picture of it. Like it's it's so many chicken wing spots out here. But I haven't seen one that says these are organic chickens. You can make a fortune. Organic chicken wings, man. Look at my farm. But you couldn't have enough chickens. You wouldn't be able to grow enough chickens, man. You wouldn't be able to grow enough chickens, and that's why we have the little pumped-up steroid chickens that we have um, today. But not to get off, not to get off topic. You know what I'm saying? The NFL really dropped the ball with this one. They really showed their true colors, and, and you know what I'm saying they, they, you know, it's probably gonna get more and more, um, more and more clear, more and more evident of you know what I'm saying how how racial, how racist, and 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 you know what I'm saying that that organization is. And, you know what I'm saying, they still just trying to recoup from that Kaepernick thing, man. They just recouping for the Kaepernick thing, letting these rednecks know, hey, listen, we still got these niggas in control, y'all. Understand that. We still got these niggas in control. So, again, the athletes are being brought in. The number one draft picks are being brought in on slave on the, on the boats or slave ships. You know, on these small boats, they're getting thrown in and they get to meet their owner. Now, metaphorically, spiritually, Guess who's driving the boat? Guess who's driving the boat spiritually? Jay-Z. 
Jay-Z has allowed this to happen. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of people talk about, oh, well, you know, you know, you know, Jay tried, you know what I'm saying? He got the thing with Kaepernick and da 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 woo woo You know what I'm saying? Why wouldn't he go out here and make this money and da 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 and he's part of this? How did he let this happen then? If if he's doing this back job and this, this you know what I'm saying, he he done got in in the back door, he's into the big rooms, he's into the offices, they want to make, they want to appeal more to the black audience, they want to do things that'll be, um, you know, to be more pro-black, to be, you know what I'm saying, to to go into communities and, and, and be a, you know, just show good face, just show good face to black people. Why would you bring people out on ships? Why would you do that, man? And it's really just a slap in the face, man. And really, we should charge Jay-Z like, Jay, like, listen, man. Like, what is going on? You know what I'm saying? What are you doing? And, you know, athlete, entertainers and athletes don't have to do that, man. They don't have to go out here and be no darn, um, you know, social leader, man. No, You know what I'm saying? You don't have to do that. You, you're just an entertainer just be an entertainer but you know they force the narrative on them where they asking them questions about political things and political issues and social issues within the world and you know what i'm saying you know people are taking that you know what i'm saying for face value they like you know what i'm saying they making them our leaders like jay-z they they make jay-z a a, a social political leader for us he was visiting the White House. That's what they do. They make him visit the White House, like your your your, your Kanye and and Jay Z. Let let him go to the White House. Uh, Kendrick Lamar, take them on to the White House, and 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 now they now they got some you know what I'm saying some political clout, and now they can be these social leaders uh, and these influencers and speak out for the whole race. Come on, man. And so this is how you get your leaders now. They they know they ain't finna let you. They ain't finna let no um. No black messiah actually actually organically rise up. They gon' they just gonna go ahead and manufacture one and say, here you go, and they're gonna place them in front of you and say, Here you go, this is your leader. Right. This is your leader. The entertainers are just just terrible people, man. Really. And I ain't just gonna say it. I'm gonna let them, <laughs> I'm gonna show you this little snippet from the uh great Bible, um uh Dick Gregory in one of his interviews before he passed about entertainers and them being leaders. Check out this clip. Martin Luther King will be remembered as long as somebody's on the planet. Athletic stuff. I don't even mention their name. Right. No, but I'm, I'm talking about in terms of like, I, I read your book, Nigger. Yeah. And I read Callous of, of the Soul. Yeah. And um, I, I love both books. Yep. I mean, you, you, you've led a fascinating life. Um, but there seems to be a transformation like at the end of nigger you're still riding the fame like it's a success story in a way of that kind of reinforces the american dream like i came from humble beginnings and i became but that's you i never said that okay i never said that okay so what i've always been listed in the phone book i never had a bodyguard the filthiest people on this planet is athletes and entertainers okay you with this show have done more for the humanities than 99% of all the athletes and entertainers on the planet. But they've even tricked you to believe that you ain't nothing but doo-doo and they something big. They ain't nothing but a piece of shit, man. All of them, a handful of them, will break through. Like Ali. A handful of them will break through. Right. But what, what I'm getting at is that, that you, you traded it all. You traded all the money and the success and funneled it into 
the movement. That was me. This had nothing to do with no damn coach. Okay. Huh? I wasn't controlled by white folks. Okay. Huh? Black folks made me. Man, I'm in a little club making $5 a night, three nights a week. Huh? When I wasn't funny. See? I was the laugh at the party. I was the party clown. Most black folks can do that. What's the difference in being that and a comedian? Time and time. What you doing here now? Hey man, you can just walk in here and say people sitting there, wow man. No, you prepared for this. You knew what this was gonna be about. You read the books. Huh? So you just don't jump in here and start doing it. Right. Well, that's the same thing with athletes. When I see football on Sunday, I see slavery all over again. The Negroes in the field picking cotton with a ball and the white folks sitting on the bench with a clipboard trying to act intelligent. Are you crazy? Hmm? So that's what this is about. But it's weak in spirit, weak in heart. Ain't nothing going for you. So I got to reach for something. My family didn't do it. My children did it. So I got to reach in something, huh? And them children better not make no noise while that game's on. Dad said, be quiet. That's what this is about. Don't nobody care about it. So, yeah, you can't look at these people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? These people can't be your heroes, man. And what happens is that your kids, they put them on top of the weedy boxes and, and um, you know, they become these great influencers, whether it be uh, IE, social media, or, you know, c commercials and television and, and, and endorsement deals. Um, these can't be your children heroes, man. These can't be our leaders because they're selfish. They're out for self. You can't blame them. You know, I'm not here. I'm not trying to blame them or condemn them for it. I'm just saying you just you just can't, you know, what I'm saying expect them to be, you know, what I'm saying um, to be righteous leaders. You can't expect that because at the end of the day, their God is money. Their God is money. Their God is. is and, and whoever has the money, that's who they're going to work for. You know what I'm saying? So we're not paying our Messiah. We not. They're not gonna let him uh, get manufactured organically. We're not funding our Messiah. Just like Kaepernick, we didn't fund Kaepernick. We all black people could put a dollar together to got Kaepernick um, funded, and you know, and he could have been our leader. He could have been our Messiah. But you know what I'm saying? We, you know, Negroes are just. We not ready for no revolution. We not ready for no liberation, man. We like this captivity. So I'll move on and talk shortly, briefly on the Kobe thing. I know a lot of people going crazy that um that 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 Kobe died in that accident. Um I'm not gonna you know what I'm saying, I'm not gonna speculate on whole this this whole sacrifice and, and that whole nine. Um, you know what I'm saying, you know, the Illuminati and you know, the one and the four and the two and the four, two plus four is six, and it was died on the sixteenth day and the seven came in and then it was thirteen and then LeBron need to win his fourth championship and then the forty four and then you know what I'm saying, I told you the point and then Jay Z, the forty four album and that it's like, man, I'm not finna go with that, man. Again, if if you know about the Illuminati, then if, if Negroes know about it, then it don't exist. It's some garbage. And they just playing you with a narrative. Like, you know, I used to think about, you know, dang, how did they know that, you know, the things were going to go down like that? Or how did they do, you know what I'm saying? How did they make that? And it, and how did they write it that it was going to go? How did the Simpsons know all this? It, it ain't that. 
it's necessarily happening like that. You know what I'm saying? It ain't that it's necessarily happening. The same. They they are right in this narrative, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it happened the way it happened. I know a lot of people showing that Kobe, um, you know, it's a cartoon showing Kobe in a plane crash holding his trophies and some little cartoon they got uh, going around to say, see, they already knew it was coming. They already knew it was coming, and he dropped in the plane. Then they showing helicopters with, you know, Kobe Bryant number on the helicopter and all this craziness. But, you know, you don't really even know if Kobe was even in the plane. Really, at the end of the day, we don't know if Kobe was in the plane. We just going with what these people are telling us. Um, and I ain't saying that he wasn't in the plane. I'm just saying, you know, all of our information is reliant on what people are telling us. And the, the news is telling us. And the news is owned by, you know what I'm saying, the elites. So they're going to write whatever narrative they want to write. Man, don't think you putting some puzzle together. That's what I'm saying. You know, we done became so, so um, you know, where, you know, they know exactly what we're doing. That they could just program us. It's, it's chess, man. They they five to ten moves ahead of us, so they can just program the whole narrative of this being some kind of Illuminati, something that don't exist where you can put these numbers together. They already added it up for you, so you can go down that route. For all you conspiracies, uh, conspiracy theorists, they already laid it out for you to go ahead and eat on that and, and spend ten, fifteen years of your life trying to dabble through that and send yourself into a psych ward. They already done dug into that. Um, you send condolences, man. Rest in rest in peace. Hope we rest in peace, man. Hope we rest in peace for Kobe, man. And then you had the LA, you had the news reporter. I ain't see it. I just seen a lot of people going crazy about it. Uh, saying, oh, these LA niggas inside of the helicopter. So I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Um, but you know, that was just current news. Um Again, you know what I'm saying? Like, subscribe, share this, uh, share the share the share the channel. The channel kinda growing a little bit. Um, you know what I'm saying? Keep listening. I keep posting, I know I got a little slack this week, but with that I'm a s I'm a, we gonna be out. Shalom.